five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 44 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this is your first episode, as always, I will tell you, I am your host, Sir Dr. Jam, that's at Sir D-R-J-M on all socials, so why not give me a follow, reach out to me there, I'd love to reach out to you there, I didn't even say where, reach out to me on Twitter, I'd love to interact with you over there. If you tweet at me, if you DM me, whatever, um, I'd love to chat. Um, And you can, of course, bring me topics, suggestions, questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, anything of the sort, and I'll bring them to the show and we can chat about them. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And if you do leave us a review, I will read it on the next episode. Now, for today's show, we are going to look at the latest retirements in the Overwatch League, a Lucio play for the ages, and of course, the upcoming June Joust Tournament. So, without further ado, let's move on to the news. Playtime's over. Alright, now look, I know I promised you the news literally seconds ago, milliseconds ago, if you will, but I want to throw this one thing out there, because as I look over my shoulder in this very room, there's a rabbit in a, in a, in its in its cell behind me there um so i'm currently rabbit sitting for my sister-in-law so uh if you hear some rustling in the background i apologize for the audio on this episode unfortunately i am sharing my studio which of course is just a basement bedroom with said rabbit and uh it likes to go on a tear through its cage uh uh frequently and things like that and when i say cage i mean it's got tons of room in there but it just runs and runs around in circles and stuff like that um so anyways you may hear some odd audio in this episode i will do my best to uh pause the recording or stop it or edit it out but regardless if i'm in in the middle of a deep thought or something i may not even notice so anyways stick with me here now then the first story i want to look at comes by way of dotesports.com from kale michael over on june 2nd this was of course shortly after our previous episode posted it was announced that the paris eternal part ways with elevote due to wrist injury and that's of course the title of the article now the article reads paris eternal and elliot elevote vanyard have agreed to part ways as the player steps away from overwatch to focus on rehabbing a nagging wrist injury this was made following Elivote suffering from continued pain in his wrist while competing with the organization. Elivote, who was signed by Paris Eternal to play off-tank during, this off- during the off-season, confirmed that he was the one who decided to step away from the roster. According to the player, these wrist issues have been with him throughout his professional career. Tweet embedded by the, or from the Paris Eternal reads, Roosters, please join us in saying thank you to at Elivote. We are mutually parting ways today due to a wrist injury that is impacting his game. Thank you, Elliot, for all you have done here at Eternal, and we wish you all the best with your future hashtag Fiat Lux. Since the problems first surfaced in 2018, following his contender's run with the Angry Titans, Elliot notes he has tried to rehab the injury but never found the root of the issue in any of his doctor visits. This is partially due to the lack of rest since he has been constantly competing in various Overwatch League events. The article continues. Given the crazy schedule we've had with contenders, Owl, and tryouts, I never truly got the opportunity to rest except for when I got signed to Washington Justice and didn't have my visas, Ellie Vote said. 
I got to just watch scrims and ice my wrist every other hour or so, and I felt that it actually got slightly better. The pain kind of comes and goes, and I've gotten used to it by now, for the most part. They then have the tweet embedded from Elivote, which reads, taking a break, and then it's a link to a twit longer there, which I won't go into because they do have a tiny snippet of it here. He actually made the call to take a break earlier this week when the pain got so bad he, quote, couldn't even open a bottle or start the car, end quote. He is not willing to risk losing mobility and wants to finally focus on getting better. Elivote only played in one event for Eternal before this decision was made. He previously played for Justice during the previous Owl season before spending brief periods with Team Doge and New Kings in Contenders. He plans to stick around the Owl community and will keep his fans posted as he works to heal and eventually return to play. So, obviously, a uh, sad story to bring up just for the simple fact of... Um, you know, you never want to see a player retire because of health issues. Obviously, last season we saw a ton of people retiring because of mental health issues. Um, and, of course, you know, it's always a risk with uh, physical health as well when you're doing anything physical, even if it is something as seemingly simple as moving a mouse and using a keyboard. Uh, I personally, uh, as I work in IT and as I have, uh, you know, sat at a desk more and more over the years, um, I have personally learned this pain through back pain, through wrist pain, through shoulder pain, and all sorts of things like that. Um, so ultimately, you got to do what you got to do to take care of yourself. So hopefully Elivote can nurse himself back to health, find the root of his issue, maybe return to play um, eventually, and things like that. All the best to him and the Paris Eternal, of course, who uh, seemingly did very well going into the June Joust this weekend. However, we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Next article we have here is another retirement. This one, maybe a little bit more shocking, maybe not so much. Kind of depends on who you ask. This article also comes for, to us from DottieSports.com, this time by Samuel O'Dwyer on June 3rd and reads, Diem retires from Overwatch. Overwatch Esports said farewell today to one of its most mechanically gifted players to early retirement. DM is hanging up his mouse and keyboard due to personal issues and a strong desire for some healing time. His last team, the Shanghai Dragons, released a six-part farewell series on Twitter, honoring his time in the Overwatch League as one of the faces and ambassadors of the, their organization. They then have the tweet embedded from the Shanghai Dragons, which reads, Our smiling sniper has decided to retire due to personal reasons. To DM, no amount of thanks will ever be enough. You have given everything to this team and forever changed how our story will be told. Thank you. Please stay with us. This is part one of a six-part farewell. They've then got a number of pictures of their statements and things like that. The article continues. Diem will leave a lasting legacy behind him after he departs. The hitscan specialist brought success to every team he played on, claiming seven championship titles across his four-year career. In fact, Diem rarely failed to finish outside the top three in any tournament he had ever participated in, according to his Liquipedia page. Liquidpedia page, sorry. It will be his back-to-back All-Stars Widow 1v1 titles in 2019 and 2020, however, that will remain as his career-defining moments. The All-Star event showcased not only his supreme gift for clicking heads, but his more personable side, which helped garner him a cult following of fans after the showcase. DM wrote a short letter to his fans upon announcing his retirement, stating that he hopes everyone will forgive him. Quote, I entered the public eye at a young age, and although it hasn't been smooth sailing the whole way, I still put up building blocks my way, and somehow I had managed to build them up a really high way, he said. 
The article continues, DM wrote that he was beginning to feel nervous that he may fall from the high tower he had built. He mentioned so-called fans slandering him, health issues, and a need to rest and heal. The Shanghai Dragons seem to be having some kind of internal restructuring going on at the moment, with two of their DPS players, Erster and Diem, announcing retirement as the organization simultaneously announced their replacement signings. Earlier this week, Overwatch veteran Who Are You signed to the team. So, obviously this one is another uh, another equally shocking announcement, um, you know, as they mentioned on the latest episode of Plat Chat. Um, Diem had not been playing a ton. He was... I, I don't know if he was benched, but he was definitely taking a back seat to other players, um, allowing Lip and Fleta to really shine. Um, and that said, obviously, he did have his impact. He was very mechanically skilled, mechanically gifted, and obviously that's why we saw him competing in the Widowmaker 1v1 so often, um, so frequently. And anyways, the biggest thing I want to highlight with this, because obviously we wish DM all the best, we wish the Shanghai Dragons all the best, and all that fun stuff that we always say when a uh, team or player has a retirement however what i found truly impressive was the celebration of diem that the shanghai dragons organization was uh was going through or doing um if i'm not mistaken i think they announced they're they are doing a ton of stuff for him i actually pulled up the shanghai dragons twitter here uh to look at the thread where they where they kind of announced this and talk about it so um, in that tweet that was mentioned in the article, they say it's part one of six. So they've got the thank you DM image. They've got a statement from the organization there. They've then got obviously just some pictures, uh, screenshots of live events and just of DM having fun and looking smiley and everything. Then they go on to say that DM wanted to leave his fans with a message and explanation behind his retirement. He wanted nothing more than for his journey to be something everyone can learn from. Thank you for everything you have done. And they've then got a YouTube video of DM basically saying goodbye. They then also have another tweet here that reads, On the occasion of his departure, DM wrote this farewell letter personally. He wanted to tell us, as the saying goes, seize the day and his dreams of moving toward the future. The original letter will be framed and displayed in the Shanghai Dragons base to be completed in... Clicks link to find out what that says. Uh, okay, it just says to be completed in. And then it's an image of this framed letter that I guess DM wrote, signed by DM and everything. So, you know, they're they're obviously celebrating him. They gave him the chance to make a personal statement, make a personal statement video. They're framing this letter from him. They've also then got a, a tweet here that reads, Coach Moon had some final parting words of encouragement for DM as he moves on to the next chapter of his life. Another YouTube video from Coach Moon. They then also have this, and this is... Uh, this is maybe the, the coolest part of it. Uh, another tweet here, and this one reads, Un ballet, un mort. In order to commemorate Diem's accomplishments and extraordinary achievements on the role of Widowmaker, we've decided to customize two Widowmaker figures with the Shanghai Dragon's skin to recognize the two Widow 1v1 championships that he won. One of them will be sent to his residence in Korea, and the other will be put on public display in the Shanghai Dragon's base. This is our token of farewell for Diem. So, of course, I, I think at this point everyone's familiar with the Widowmaker statue they're referencing because um, this uh, this particular Widowmaker statue, I think if you win, like, the, the Pick'ems, uh, or if you're the first place Pick'ems whatever for, for the league right now or the tournament or something like that, then you actually win one of these Widowmaker statues. So it's that one. Super high-quality statue, really awesome-looking, and looks super cool in the Shanghai colors. They then have a the, the final part of their six-part tweet blast Twitter blast reads fan message collection 
On the occasion of this farewell, we believe that there are many words that fans have not had the opportunity to, co to convey to Diem. Here, we would like to invite everyone to leave what they want to say to him. We will translate your messages. Basically, just inviting fans to celebrate the guy. And so I saw all of this going on on Twitter, and I, I actually tweeted out about it and just said, you know, basically, what a class act organizational move here. Um, you know, truly celebrating one of the faces of the league, one of the OGs, one of the one of the players and people that really brought a positive presence to the league and to every game and to every every live event and things like that. So, anyways, I wanted to really applaud the Shanghai Dragons organization for their celebration of Diem, um, and hopefully we see more of this. You know, obviously this is nothing like to say against the Paris Eternal with Elliot retiring and everything, um, but you know, little different circumstances. So. Anyways, great job on the organization. Um, sad to see DM go, uh, but ultimately Shanghai Dragons looking good, and they continue to roll on. Our next story changes things a little bit here. We're going to shift gears. We're going to move over to the San Francisco Shock uh, with an article over on the Esports Observer posted by Kevin Hitt on June 3rd, which reads, San Francisco Shock, Northern California McDonald's Strike Partnership Deal. NRG Esports Overwatch League team San Francisco Shock have announced that they have entered into a partnership with Northern Area McDonald's franchises through 2021. Financial details were not released. Quote, we are stoked to have McDonald's on board. They are a natural fit for our team, our audience. End quote, said Brett Lautenbach, president of NRG Esports. Quote, the players are really thrilled to get behind this in a really authentic way. This is one of the more exciting partnerships we have launched from a player perspective. End quote. As part of the deal, San Francisco Shock will help McDonald's engage the esports audience by creating custom content and other activations yet to be announced. So obviously, you know, we don't talk a ton about sponsorships and things like that uh, on this show. However, you know, McDonald's obviously internationally world-renowned, world-recognized brand. Uh, so kind of a kind of a funny and exciting uh, sponsorship partnership deal for San Francisco, for the San Francisco Shock organization to have made with uh, with McDonald's. So anyways, I wanted to highlight this one because obviously, you know, all these players uh, are, are in a lot of ways young kids and everything. And I'm sure any team would be ecstatic to partner with McDonald's. So I digress. Next article here, another, uh, another cool one, albeit in a very different way. This time we're gonna go over to Dexterto.com, Dexerto, sorry. This time, an article on June 7th posted by Brad Norton, which reads, Lucio Pro sets wild new Overwatch record for environmental kills on Lijiang Tower. Shanghai Dragons Pro Lijiang raised the bar to set a new Overwatch record on June 6th, tallying up more environmental kills in a single map than anyone before him. When it comes to flashy kills in Overwatch, there's nothing more stylish than a good environmental. Regardless of health, armor, shields, or any buff that may be applied, a single boop can knock anyone off the map in a heartbeat. While a number of heroes are capable of doing just that, Lucio is undoubtedly, undoubtedly, sorry, the most iconic. With his wall-riding antics, it's always difficult to judge where he'll be flying in from to land that critical boop. Well, pro player Lee Jigong might just be the Lucio master. The Korean pro was already feared for his top-notch support play, but now he holds a unique world record for the most environmental kills in one game. They then have a tweet embedded uh, by Backpack Matt at Matt Mercel, which reads, Yeah, he broke the map and match record for environmental kills, brackets 10, on just Lee Jang. 
The article continues, Having previously tied the world record with nine environmental kills back in the 2020 season, Lee Jae-gong reached new heights in a June 7th series against the Seoul Dynasty. Fight after fight, the 19-year-old pro managed to find ways to knock his opposition off the map. Ten enemies fell to their deaths on Lee Jang Tower alone, setting both the individual game record along with the overall series record to boot. Just one map was all it took for Lee Jae Gong to break a record performance that was once put up across an entire match. Quote, Give him the MVP, end the series, commentator Seth Achilleos King joked while casting the first map. To make the record even more outrageous, Lee Jang Tower didn't even go the distance. It was a quick 2-0 for Shanghai Dragons to, a, to move to a 3-1 record. Li Jiang is known for its risky layout that can lead to all sorts of environmentals. There's no doubt you've seen it time and time again in your public games. Though Li Jiang took advantage like no player ever has, smashing the previous best and setting a new record that could stand for years to come. So, I mean, as I mentioned, a little bit more of a fun uh, story there. Obviously, we got two more serious ones with retirements, and then we've got two kind of more interesting, more exciting, more flavorful, if you will, articles there. Um, congrats to Lee Jae Gong, obviously. Uh, really exciting to to watch that that round in particular. I didn't catch this game, obviously, just because I don't typically catch the... Um, the Eastern Region Games. However, uh, in the article there on Dexairto.com, they do have the uh, the the match uh, linked uh, to YouTube in the article. Sorry, I'm not sure why that was so hard for me to spit out. Um, and when you when you click the play button, it does actually jump right to the 1812 mark when the uh, Lee Jang Tower match uh, round, I should say, starts. So you can see the uh, the boop uh, the boops. The boops, the boopity boop, the boop ownage in all its glory. So there you have it. Moving on from there, next article is going to take us back to .esports.com and oh. reads, Overwatch 2 developers detail changing environments that will be used in the game's maps. This time, an article on June 8th posted by Kale Michael. Overwatch 2 is going to implement a lot of new content when it eventually launches, and a lot of the changes will come in the form of new technology created or implemented into the game's engine. In a new blog post from members of the Blizzard of Blizzard Entertainment's engineering team, three developers broke down one of the new features, Environment States. Environment States is a new system that the team developed to separate every major component of lighting, sound, and effects into self-contained assets that can then be pieced together to build specific scenarios. These pieces can also be shared, scaled, and used across other maps and environments, opening up the potential for multiple quote scenarios on each map. The scenario the developers used was lighting, noting that in noting that environment states lets the team prototype new lighting for map. Wow, this is a hard sentence to read. Let me start that over. The scenario the developers used was lighting, noting that environment states let the team prototype new lighting for maps in hours, which helped them quickly experiment, test, and implement more variety for maps. Quote, after some brainstorming, we decided to allow for several environment states to be presented all at the same time, ordered neatly in a stack, end quote. Blizzard senior software engineer Marco Alamia said, quote, this stack could change dynamically, so at any given time, an environment state could be added or removed. The magic happens when the engine looks at this stack and blends all the environment states together to produce the final environmental look. They also showcased some other options that environment states allow the team to work on in the most recent deep dive, revealing that certain maps will have dynamic environment and weather changes, such as rain, snow, and sandstorms. The devs said, quote, 
It's the same as having multiple layers blended together to produce a final image quote in Photoshop using each environment state to hold an individual aspect of the environment itself. Changing one environment state only alters aspects of that individual value and can be used to test small variations or change the entire feel of a level without needing to alter too many elements. Quote, by changing its parameters, we can drive the fog look and feel, which in turn allows the art team to make the environment evolve visually based on the game's uh, game mode, players' positions, or even time, Al Alamia said. For example, we could make the map spookier for Halloween, or have the fog become thick only around a specific area of a map, or make a sandstorm build over time in one of our new hero missions. You can read the full dev blog on environment states, including the behind-the-scenes images on the official Overwatch website. They've obviously got um, a lot of... Uh, a lot of the images embedded throughout the article, they've got the YouTube video to this uh, this particular um, behind the scenes video there embedded in the article as well. Um, plus, you know, a few kind of uh, concept art snippets here. Uh, one in particular, which shows what looks like it could be Numbani um, or, or a map of that ilk. And they've got sort of a daytime view, sort of a dusk view, sort of a twilight view or a sunrise view. And then obviously a nighttime view as well, um, just to kind of illustrate the different environment states applying to that map and then they've also got um some images of the i forget what the map is called it's the 1v1 map the, the one they always do the widowmaker 1v1s on 1v1s on and uh they've got a daytime they've got a nighttime version obviously which we've seen before but then they also have one where it has sort of a uh, fog or likely a sandstorm effect over top of it um so you can you know your vision is a lot more obscured and things like that so Anyways, it's a cool article. It's a cool read um, to, to look at the actual article there. Um, this just kind of breaks it down a little bit more, so I wanted to bring it up because it is a cool little snippet of what's to come with Overwatch 2. Now, that was actually the second to last news story here. The final story I want to cover is actually from June 7th, so the day before the article I just read. However, this one's actually going to break down the uh, results of this past weekend's matches in the Overwatch League, or at least in part, because it will outline the June Joust teams. So, without further ado, let's head back on over to DottieSports.com, this time with an article by Liz Richardson, which reads, here are the Overwatch League June Joust teams. Several surprising attendees will spice up the June 10th bracket. Even the best Overwatch League scriptwriters couldn't have set the set up the wild upsets that created the June Joust tournament bracket. Four teams will compete in the season's second, quote, monthly tournament, which begins on June 10th, but some attendees aren't exactly the ones most fans expected to see. Two of the strongest teams in their respective regions, the Shanghai Dragons and Dallas Fuel, will be making return tournament runs in the June Joust. They last faced off in the grand finals of the May Melee, in which the Dallas Fuel eventually brought home the win. Underdogs like the New York Excelsior and the Atlanta Reign took down the top seeds in their region and rolled their way toward the June Joust. Here's how the upsets came to be in each region, creating this unpredictable bracket. East Region After falling to the Dallas Fuel in the May Melee Tournament, the Shanghai Dragons have been on a warpath toward a rematch in the June Joust. Aside from a single loss to the Hangzhou Spark, the Dragons clocked several sweeps in this tournament's qualifiers. The team's knockout match against the Seoul Dynasty was no exception. Longtime Dynasty fans were hoping for, an, for the appearance, appearance sorry, of Playoffs Prophet, the magical phase when veteran DPS Park Prophet Jung Yong carries the 
goes into carry mode, sorry. Instead, they were met with the dragon's Lijigong throwing players off maps on his signature Lucio, as we just talked about. With a 3-0 sweep against the dynasty, the Shanghai Dragons guaranteed themselves the top East region seed for the June Joust Finals bracket. The true shock out of the East region came from the New York Excelsior, who took down the Hangzhou Spark at their own homestand. During the entire June Joust tournament cycle, the Spark had been dominant, going into knockouts with a solid 4-0 cycle record. Though Hangzhou, was, though Hangzhou were dominant on the first map of the series, something broke down in their ranks, and the rookie NYXL squad won 3-1. Moving over to the Western region, we have the Dallas Fuel spared no one as they demolished the West region knockouts in pursuit of a second Overwatch League tournament win in Hawaii. Experts at the high-paced Neo Goats meta based around Reaper and Moira, the Fuel destroyed the Houston Outlaws with a 3-0 sweep and then clashed against the Los Angeles Gladiators. Well, the Gladiators put up a real fight, the coordination from Dallas's tanks and supports was truly stellar. Los Angeles were knocked out after a 3-1 game in the Fuel's favor. The true challenge for Dallas will be clashing styles with the more chaotic shield-based compositions from the East region. As the league's reigning champions, most fans expected to see the San Francisco Shock make an appearance in the June Joust Finals bracket. The Atlanta Reign, however, had something to say about that assumption. In an absolutely unprecedented upset, the Reign swept the 2020 champions with a 3-0 scoreline and showed that mastery of the meta is more important than former domination. Atlanta also learned hard, sorry, leaned hard into the Neo-Goat style, relying on tank cohesion and aerial dominance from Pelican. Uh, from Pelican's Echo. San Francisco looked uncharacteristically sloppy, lost my spot, and Atlanta capitalized on every single mistake. The Dallas Fuel and Atlanta Rain will spend the next few days traveling to Oahu, Hawaii to reduce ping for the June Joust finals bracket. The June Joust action begins at 8 p.m. CT on June 10th when the Atlanta Rain will take on the New York Excelsior. So there you have it. Uh, the June Joust bracket is or tournament is now set with things starting on Thursday, June 10th there, as mentioned, with the Atlanta Rain taking on the New York Excelsior and the Shanghai Dragon Dragons having a rematch against the Dallas Fuel. Now, obviously, that leads us nicely into our predictions for this weekend. Um, so I think I'm just going to jump right on in there. Um, I won't really cover the matches from this past weekend, although there were a ton of them. There were a ton of good matches, a ton of exciting matches, and I will even throw a bone to the Vancouver Titans, who looked like they really had their, uh, they they really picked up the pieces after uh, my rant on last episode. After many people were very disappointed with their performance, and they really seemed to uh, have something something of a fire back in them, um, and really made a play to to kind of. Uh, 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 I don't know, make up for, for last week's performance. So I will shout out them on that front. However, um, let's dive right into the pickums for the June Joust tournament. Oh, uh, we have to get this thing moving again. All right, let's head on over to our pickums bracket for the June Joust tournament. So first things first, we have to pick who will be the winner of the New York Excelsior versus the Atlanta Rain, which occurs at 6 p.m. PT on Thursday, June 10th. That is, of course, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, if you are Mountain Time, like I am. And I think this first matchup that we're going to see is probably going to be a little bit one-sided. I think, uh, you know, if if in the May Melee we saw one team kind of take things quite in, in quite a uh, dominant fashion, um, you know, I think we saw the Chengdu Hunters get knocked out pretty quickly with two losses. 
I think the New York Excelsior is going to have a similar story. Um, you know, certainly they, they earned their spot in this tournament, uh, but as we all know, one one loss can really change things. One win can really change things as well with uh, such a limited number of games in a season. And that's largely how the New York Excelsior got here with the Hangzhou Spark uh, being eliminated. So I think in our first matchup, the Rain are going to take it over the Excelsior. The only question is by a score of how much. Uh, and really the question is, do I give New York a map? I'm going to say the rain take it three, two, I'll give them three to one. I'm going to give New York the benefit of the doubt and say that they come into this hot. They come in off of uh, their win against Hangzhou um, with a fire under their, their, under their asses. And I'm going to say they at least get a map before being bumped to the loser's bracket. Now, the second game, this time also on Thursday, June 10th, but this time being at 7.30 p.m. PT, which of course is 8.30 p.m. on Thursday in our mountain time, is the Dallas Fuel against the Shanghai Dragons rematch of the century from the May Melee Tournament. So what do I think is going to happen there? I think, I think, I think, man, Shanghai looked really good against Seoul, but at the same time, is that more a reflection on Seoul? You know, you got to give Shanghai credit, but at the same time, uh, I really do think Dallas could go all the way. Dallas, man, I've been really impressed with Dallas lately, especially given their situation, um, you know, missing, uh, uh, losing XE just before the season and everything, as we talked about before the May Melee, but they continue to really kind of impress, in my opinion. So I'm going to give it to Dallas 3-1, to one, sending Shanghai to the loser's bracket to face off against the New York Excelsior in, obviously, their uh, their eastern region matchup now let's drop down to the losers bracket because this match is probably a little more easy to predict i'm gonna give it to shanghai i'm gonna say the 3-0 the new york excelsior um and therefore they move on in the elimination bracket now that first elimination game does take place friday june 11th at 7:30 p.m pt or 8:30 p.m mountain time but before that we will have our winners round match of the Atlanta Rain against the Dallas Fuel. Now, this could be an interesting one because Dallas, again, dominant, uh, but Atlanta looking so clean and so crisp against the San Francisco, San Francisco Shock. Um, and really, you know, I, I think one of the big stories is uh, about Gator kind of baiting everyone and and making it seem like, or at least claiming that they hadn't been practicing this, this uh, uh, Orisa uh, kind of diva meta with, um, you know, with Lucio Moira and, and Reaper Echo. Um, and Pelican really could be the deal maker or deal breaker here. Um, if he can pop off like he did against San Francisco, and if Dallas does not, uh, you know, put him in his place, similar to how San Francisco did not, then Atlanta could look really good. Um, regardless, though, I'm going to go with history, and I'm going to say the Dallas Fuel take it, but I'm going to give Atlanta a lot of credit here. I'm going to say Dallas take it 3-2, to two. so a close match for sure, um, but ultimately sending Atlanta down to the loser's bracket for our third and final Saturday, oh, sorry, not Saturday, Friday game. So this is the second elimination bracket game, third game of Friday. This one will take place at 9 p.m. PT or 10 p.m. 
Mountain Time. And it will, of course, in my bracket, be the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Atlanta Reign. Now this is so interesting here because this is where the different styles of the regions really come into play. Um, obviously outside of those first couple matchups, this is where we see um, Shanghai uh, taking on the Atlanta Reign. Oh man, I really don't know which way I want to go with this. Do I think Atlanta can beat Shanghai? Atlanta coming off a loss, Shanghai coming off a win, albeit a win against the New York Excelsior. So, you know, no offense to New York, but not a necessarily dominant team. Who do I think is going to take this? Mm, you know what? Mostly, well, not mostly, in large part for the storyline, as interesting as it would be to see the Shanghai-Dallas rematch in the finals, I think we already got that in the uh, first round. I, I'm going to give it to Atlanta. I'm going to say they take it 3-2. I'm going to say it'll be a close match, but I'm going to give it to, to Atlanta. And that, of course, means that the Dallas Fuel then have the rematch of the June Joust against the uh, Atlanta Reign. Very similar to what happened with Shanghai and Dallas the first, uh, in the May Melee. And then the question becomes, who takes it all? Does Atlanta have what it takes to... Uh, to come back from the loss and uh, the, the prior loss against the Dallas Fuel and turn things around. You know, I really don't think they do. Honestly, I'm th th this one is a uh, first to four, so I'm going to give it to Dallas four. And then how much of a fight does Atlanta put up? They're coming off a win against Shanghai. Dallas is coming off a win against Atlanta already. In theory, they know a lot of what Atlanta is going to be playing. They've uh, been able to see Atlanta take on the Shanghai Dragons. They've been able to see Atlanta uh, take on themselves and, and lose, obviously. Does it go to seven or does it only go to six? That is the question. It would be a, a pretty big success story if Atlanta takes it to seven or if Atlanta wins obviously I think I'm only going to give them two I'm going to call it there and I'm going to say the grand final match Saturday June 12th winds up with the Dallas Fuel against the Atlanta Reign at 7 p.m. Mountain Time 6 p.m. PT and I'm going to say Dallas takes it four to two and I am going to submit my bracket because the last time I did not submit my bracket for the May Melee and therefore I missed out on the prediction, the uh, Pickham's points, and I, I was very mad at myself after that. So, there you have it. That's my selection. Dallas taking it with a record of four to two in the grand finals match. Yep, I'm I'm sticking with it. I am sticking with it. Sticking like chicken. Anyways. That's my preds, my pickums for the upcoming tournament, the June Joust. Obviously, we are all looking forward to seeing how this turns out, um, given you know the the upset that was uh, that that we've already seen with teams making into it into this bracket. And again, man, just crazy upsets with uh, you know Houston not making it, Washington not making it, um, and and even Hangzhou not making it, and things like that. So, anyways, from there. We're gonna we're doing things a little out of order from what we normally do on the show. We're gonna jump over and have a little chat with our good friend IBM's Watson.
Excuse me for dropping in. All right, heading on over to Watson there. I had a little bit of a scare as I almost deleted uh, my entire Pick'em's segment uh, that I had already recorded, but I managed to recover it. So hooray, congrats, pat me on the back for that one. But now let's take a look at Watson's power ranking. So I'm going to start in reverse order. We're going to look at the tanks first. And of course, if we look at the top five here, we see the Dallas Fuel, Dallas Fuel, LA Gladiators, Atlanta Rain, and the Shanghai Dragons. So in number one, we have Fearless, Number two is Hanbin, number three is Space, number four is Hawk, and number five is the Shanghai Dragons. So some interesting movement here. Obviously, um, you know, the big story being Space from the LA Gladiators, jumping into third place, up seven positions. Also, number four is Hawk from the Atlanta Reign, jumping up 11 positions. So big moves from the two of them, obviously uh, based on the performances that LA had as well as uh, Atlanta had, and especially with Atlanta making it into the June Joust tournament. Um, outside of that, uh, expanding out to the top 10, we see Piggy with the Houston Outlaws in number 6, we see Fate with the Shanghai Dragons in number 7, Gator from the Atlanta Reign in number 8, Super with the San Francisco Shock in number 9, and Muse with the LA Gladiators in number 10. So honestly, quite the shakeup from what we've seen before. Um, I believe in my last episode I talked a lot about how Typically, in the top five and top ten areas of most of these rankings, we were seeing a lot of Dallas, we were seeing a lot of Shanghai, um, we were seeing, you know, the more dominant teams. We, we saw a lot of the Florida Mayhem still off their uh, May Melee tournament appearance as well as regular season performance thus far. Um, so yeah, we, we saw a little bit more um, of some of those 4-0 teams, whereas now we're seeing some other teams that don't necessarily have a perfect record um, and in some cases didn't even make it into the May Melee Tournament, uh, as noted by the Los Angeles Gladiators. But still, um, you know, seeing some impressive uh, plays, performances from these players. Now, again, of note is the score assigned to these players. So number one position where Fearless is, we have a score of 134. Number two, Hanbin has 133. And then dropping to number three, uh, Space has 121. So obviously a pretty significant difference between that second and third spot. Um, number three and four with Space and Hawk are both at 121, and then five and six are both 120. So a lot more uh, close in those numbers from the three position all the way down to the seven, even the eight, nine position. Um, and then you see things kind of start to drop off from there. So that's what the tank side of things looks like. Now let's switch over to the damage roll and we'll take a quick peek there. Number one, we have Sparkle with the Dallas Fuel. Number two, we have Doha with the Dallas Fuel. Number three, we have Pelican with the Atlanta Rain. Number four, we have Lip with the Shanghai Dragons. And number five, we have Decay with the Washington Justice. Now, this is actually a little bit more interesting. I'm gonna to jump to number six, where we have Nero with the San Francisco Shock. Number seven is Kevster with the uh, uh, Los Angeles Gladiators. Number eight is Striker with the San Francisco Shock. Number nine is Shy with the Hangzhou Spark, and number 10 is Happy with the Houston Outlaws. So again, we're seeing a lot of other teams make appearances here. Um, you know, the consistent ones, obviously, being again, the Dallas Fuel, who remain dominant, and uh, to an extent, the Shanghai Dragons as well. Now, Lip did drop three positions to number four, and Fleta has dropped eight positions to number 12. So a little bit interesting what we're seeing there. 
Um, you know, obviously Pelican having some huge plays against the San Francisco Shock um, without the Atlanta Rain, jumping into the third position, up nine spots. And of course, we also this past weekend, where uh, when Florida faced off against the Washington Justice, we saw the return of Decay to the lineup with the Washington Justice. He has now moved nine positions up to the number five spot, which is interesting because for most of June, we did not see Decay. We did not see Washington dominating. And going into the Florida against the Washington Justice match, I had Florida booked to win it. And I would have been much happier if they had. They obviously did not. <sighs> but I digress. We also see the San Francisco Shock making appearances, obviously, as well as Kevster on the Los Angeles Gladiators, and even Shy on the Hangzhou Spark. So definitely some interesting moves going on there. But again, you know, those top positions locked in by Dallas. So Dallas now top two on tank, top two on damage, and let's jump over to support. Ooh, they take the number one and three positions for Dallas. So number one is Fielder with the Dallas Field. Number two is Shu with the Los Angeles Gladiators. Number three is Jexa with the Dallas Fuel. Number four is Iris or Ilris with the uh, Atlanta Rain. Number five is Violet with the San Francisco Shock. So interesting, we don't have the Shanghai Dragons making a top five appearance. However, they do come in at number six with Izayaki. Number seven is Masa with the Atlanta Rain. Number eight is FD God with the San Francisco Shock. Number nine is Alarm with the Philadelphia Fusion. And number 10 is Crimson with the Houston Outlaws. So this one, uh, arguably the most volatile of all the uh, the rankings here. You know, again, Dallas taking a few of the top spots, but Shu ultimately moving up seven positions into number two. Um, Iris with the Atlanta Rain jumping seven positions into number four. Uh, you know, Violet making his a top five appearance, moving up three positions. And then Masa in number seven with the Atlanta Rain. FD God moving up two spots to number eight. Alarm on the Philadelphia Fusion, oddly enough. First appearance of, from them in any of these roles. Moving up to the number nine spot. Um, and then Crimson falling seven positions actually to the number 10 spot. So interesting stuff here. Just a ton of movement. Um, and again, honestly, the one common thread amongst all of these three roles is the Dallas Fuel. If you want to find another one, you could argue the Shanghai Dragons. But if you really want to press it, you could argue the Atlanta Rain making some big appearances here. I mean, you can't argue that. They are making some big appearances here, but seemingly really climbing the ranks. So let's move on to the overall rankings of players. And here, the top five, wow, this is impressive, is all Dallas. Number one is Fearless. Number two is Honda. Number three is Fielder. Number four is Sparkle. And number five is Doha. Now, Fearless holding steady at the number one spot. I think if Fearless doesn't get the MVP this year, um, I think most people will be shocked. And I mean of the league, of course. Number two with, with Hanbin moving up four spots, Fielder moving up one, Sparkle moving up four, Doha moving up five. So really impressive from the Dallas squad. Again, like I said, if you wanna look for commonalities amongst these roles uh, and rankings, Dallas Fuel is the number one common, most common theme here. Now, again, what did I say? I said the other two commonalities are the Shanghai Dragons and the Atlanta Rain. And guess who's coming in at number six, moving up 26 positions. Let me say that again, moving up 26 positions to the number six spot is Pelican with the Atlanta Rain. And Pelican obviously had some 
really impressive performances against the San Francisco Shock um, and, and plays this weekend. So honestly, Atlanta makes me nervous for my pickums. As much as I don't like the Atlanta Reign, um, I just never really have. I don't know why. Uh, but wow, Pelican really popping off and really climbing the ranks here. Uh, Lip is in number seven with the Shanghai Dragons. So again, keeping with the common threads that I mentioned there, he has, however, dropped four positions um, to number seven, but still impressive. And then we have a couple more uh, leapfrogs here. Space moving up 23 positions with the LA Gladiators to number eight. Hawk moving up 32 positions on the tank roll for the Atlanta Reign to the number nine slot. And then Shu moving up 15 positions to the number 10 spot. Shu, of course, with the Los Angeles Gladiators as, as well. And I'm going to mention number 11 here because, again, we see Decay with the Washington Justice climbing 25 spots. So a ton of movement there. Um, the interesting thing, of course, you look at the number one through five slot, all of that Dallas Fuel team, there's some movement, you know, moving four or five spots. But really what's shifting a ton is the 6 to 10 position, uh, 6 to 11, I'll, I'll say, um, with, you know, Pelican on the Atlanta Reign, Space on the Los Angeles Gladiators, Hawk on the Atlanta Reign, Shoe on the LA Glads, uh, Decay on Washington, um, just a ton of movement there. Um, if we scroll down a little bit more, we do see a lot of the, uh, you know, a similar kind of theme. However, they're not obviously breaking into that top 10. So number 16 is Iris with the Atlanta Reign, jumping to the eight or uh, moving 18 spots. Kevster with the LA Glads moving 11. Gator with the um, Atlanta Reign moving 19 spots. Massa moving 24 spots. Super with San Francisco Shock moving 27 spots. Shy with the Hangzhou Spark moving 20 spots. So again, just really interesting to see how these performances are. Uh, at least I find it interesting. Hopefully you, the, the, the listener, does as well. But I find this fascinating to see how these things are moving. Um, and ultimately, you know, if I were the Dallas Fuel, I'd be taking a screenshot of that top five and tweeting that shit out because that is impressive uh, with, with you know, that, that's almost a full team in the top six spots, right? Uh, both their tanks in one and two, support in number three, and then obviously DPS in four and five. And their, their other uh, main uh, primary support player with Jexa coming in at number 13, moving up three spots. Um, so, you know, even he cracks the top 15, doesn't quite make the top 10, but interesting nonetheless. Now, that of course brings us to the team rankings, which I'm sure will be little surprise, although now that I'm looking, not quite what I expected to see. Dallas Fuel moving up one position to the to the first seed with uh, the score of 127. Number two is the Atlanta Reign moving up six spots with a score of 118. So nine points differentiating the number one to the number two team. So this is going to be really, if I'm at this point, I'm really hoping for a Dallas Fuel versus Atlanta Reign finals. Because um, man, that could, that could change things drastically if Atlanta can pull out a win. Um, if not, it'll really just solidify the Dallas Fuel as a dominant force this, this season. Number three there, moving up three spots, is the Los Angeles Gladiators, who again, although they're not in the June Joust tournament, did have a really impressive showing. Um, I would honestly kind of, in, in this meta, in the June Joust meta, I would kind of compare the Los Angeles Gladiators to the Florida Mayhem. Um, you know, looking strong, but not without their weaknesses, um, and, and being rated, I think, according accordingly on that front. 
Then, of course, number four is the Shanghai Dragons. Again, there's our common thread of Dallas Fuel, Atlanta Rain, and the Shanghai Dragons, all in the top five. San Francisco Shock remaining steady in the fifth place position. Um, so interesting there. Uh, you know, I, it's hard to say they're not being judged on the past season's performances, but I feel like they are, honestly. Other than that, um, you know, I could go on and, and continue to talk about the rest of the league, but ultimately not a ton of movement outside the top five. Um, the Florida Mayhem dropping five positions to number nine. The Chengdu Hunters dropping five positions to number 12. Those are your two biggest movers um, outside of uh, the other teams. You know, we've got a couple threes up and down, but not really worth mentioning. A couple ones and twos. And then obviously the bottom of the league, number 17 through 20, remaining pretty steady there with the Guangzhou Charge in 17, the London Spitfire in 18 the Vancouver Titans in 19, and the Los Angeles Valiant in the number 20 spot. So there you have it. That is our breakdown of everything from Mr. Watson from the, uh, I don't know what to say, the, the IBM Power Rankings. And with that, we're going to wrap up the show. So let's get on out to the outro. Excuse me for dropping in. All right. My most sincere thanks for listening to episode 44 of One Man Watchpoint. Now, if you've made it this far, you no doubt know this is a Overwatch podcast, where, an Overwatch podcast, pardon me, where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this was your first episode, I am Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. And you can, of course, find me on all social medias, but most importantly, you can find me on Twitter at Sir DRJM. Please tweet at me, DM me, reach out to me over there questions, comments, concerns, topics, inquiries, whatever you bring to the table, I want to talk about it on the show. So go ahead and follow me there and reach out to me on Twitter. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends. And of course, if you leave us a review, I will happily read it on the next episode. Now, once again, thank you very much for listening to episode 44 of One Man Watchpoint. We will catch you next week with the results of the June Joust Tournament for episode 45. Thank you.